into another episode of The Bold Platform. My name is Adrian, and I created uh, this podcast early in 2019 and now host it each week. The Bold Platform podcast, for those that are tuning in for the first time, is a podcast where I have the privilege of interviewing females from all around Australia of any age who are working on really amazing projects, hobbies, or full businesses that are somehow bettering the community in which they're coming from. Now, that could be just the people in their suburb, that could be a group within their suburb, it could be their state, it could be the whole country or outside of Australia as well. So people that are really trying to make a difference and leave their community a little bit better than how I found it, how they found it, I should say. So there's probably about 20 episodes that we've done so far. So we'd love for you to scroll back when you have a chance and listen to some of those amazing stories. But for now, I would like to introduce Shanna from Sober in the Country, who will be sharing her story with us today. So welcome, Shanna. Hello, lovely lady. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for getting up early and and jumping on the microphone with me. (laughs) Let's kick it off by um, telling everyone about Sober in the Country and and what it's all about. Well, basically, uh, Sober in the Country is a name I gave to an online discussion which has been evolving organically for about five years now. And... um, what I do is I've taken a whole bunch of hard-earned life experience from the perspective of being a bush girl, country girl, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I am discussing alcohol awareness in the space of rural and regional and remote Australia. So it's, it's a discussion. It's an alcohol awareness discussion driven by me from a lived experience point of view, and literally your intro covered it, my pure heartfelt purpose when I when I created all of this was just to educate and inform other country people um, around a very complex topic really which is our profound obsessive love of alcohol in the country <laughs> mm. um, and and how that can impact people's lives um, not always in a good way okay. um, yeah so it's it's just an online movement slash discussion designed to get info out there in a very, very real, very raw, very authentic manner. And it's Mm. going crazy. That's amazing. So let's go right back. You have lived, uh, you've grown up and lived in the country your whole life. I have, Hanya. I, well, actually a lot of people don't know know this, but interestingly, my family come from uh, Africa originally. I was actually born in, yeah, born in Zimbabwe and um, hit the shores of Australia, um, I think I was about five, um, mm-hmm. but really, I mean, obviously listening to me, I don't have any trace of an accent or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much an Aussie girl. Aussie through and through. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, you know, I grew up in and around the northwest of New South Wales um, and my whole life has been spent in and around the bush in agriculture. Um, as I say to people, I think sometimes people, when they meet you, they just presume all you've ever done is you know, be a photographer or a blogger or whatever it is you've done recently. Whereas with me, um, yeah, I've lived and travelled and worked all over rural Australia in, gosh, everything from agriculture to corporate ag to being a Jillaroo. I've been a polo groom. I've been a water ski instructor. I've been a tour guide in the Northern Territory. I've had a really crazy, interesting, um, diverse life travelling around Australia Mm. Um, but yeah, the predominant, um, concurrent theme is, is agriculture and the bush and farming. That's where my heart and soul lies. Yeah. yeah love it. Yeah, love the absolutely. Bush. And so you mentioned there, um, in terms of sober in the country that that was, um, born out of lived experience. Can you share uh, a little bit more about that with us? Yeah, hundred percent. So the very long story short is that, um, all of this fabulous, fun travelling and life that I was doing um, behind the scenes was actually a girl in a, oh gosh, a combined state of post-traumatic stress and unaddressed issues from a few traumas that happened to me when I was 18 and um, basically sexual assault and some other fun things happened when I was fresh out of boarding school and naive and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and what began as a few traumas manifested over a period of my life. Um, uh, I developed a, a, a habit of hiding behind a screen of alcohol right. and developed a country party girl persona, 
And very, very long story short is that five years ago, I nearly lost my life. I had become a high-functioning alcoholic, Mm. um, rapidly descending to no functioning. I was suicidal. I was done with life. I was just absolutely done. Uh, I was emotionally wrecked. I was physically wrecked. Um, it was it was it was like uh, a lifetime of hidden trauma kind of just came to a cataclysmic um, I don't know final showdown, which was me against alcohol and I was about to die. I um yeah, it's it's funny, you know, people always say to me, how did such a vibrant, positive, happy, confident, popular girl um, with everything going for her, end up a suicidal alcoholic in her mm. late 30s. How the hell did that happen? Mm. You know, and as I say to people, it happened over 25 years, my friends. That's how yeah. it happened. It happened yeah. It happened one day at a cheeky, sneaky little time. It happened when, you know, a young girl had some really rotten things happen to her and never got support then and never got support ever, basically. And, you know, as is an all-too-common story with people, um, addiction, right, for me, and this is this applies to anyone, Adrian. I don't care mm. whether they're smokers, drinkers, gamblers, bloody doesn't even matter. Yeah, addiction is is basically an issue to do with people's hearts. It's so frequently connected to an unresolved trauma. Yes, there's hereditary. Yes, there's the whole nature versus nurture. But generally speaking, people battling addiction are not bad people. They're people who've got some crap that they've never dealt with in their life and it's gone to the next level and that was simply the case with me and um yeah alcoholism just about took everything and uh my lived experience as I say to people it's a um 25 year degree (laughs) yeah Yeah. and I share it now in a very rural manner because nobody does in the bush like nobody talks about it in the country high functioning alcoholism in particular Right. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing it. And I, um, you know, I'm sorry, very sorry that that happened to you in terms of the, those traumatic experiences when you were 18. What, um, when it got to that point you mentioned five years ago, when it got to that really bad point where you went, okay, well, something's got to give, mm. what was the first thing that you did in terms of going, right, I've got to turn this thing around basically was it other people telling you or was it a decision you made for yourself and and what was your action after that yeah good question um other people could tell me things until I was blue in the face to be honest and Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons I blog and speak so candidly about invisible alcoholism as I call it Mm -hmm. and I should qualify quickly hun a lot of people think if you're an alcoholic, you're a homeless person in the gutter and you're drinking out of a scotch bottle in the morning, right? Well, that's just the picture we've been sold of alcoholism. That, that is exactly what Hollywood sold us in the 19-whatevers yeah. and we've believed that lie ever since. Mm, mm. Um, and you know what? One of the reasons I do what I do is to say to people, actually, sorry, guys, it can look like an attractive, high-functioning person with a bloody... <laughs> mortgage and and three children and a oh it doesn't discriminate (laughs) nope it does not but so many people don't speak about it Mm. from a lived experience point of view so anyway just a qualification there but as is also often the case and to go back to your question um the turning point for me was rock bottom and that's a cliche Mm. as old as time I nearly lost my life so I was after after a lifetime of abusing alcohol and it escalating and escalating and escalating and and when I say that I mean that once upon a time I could drink three or four or six or whatever and then just you know knock it off but mm. in the end I was a I was a habitual blackout drinker right. um, one, once I started I couldn't stop got you um I may not have even been drinking every day or during the day but when I drank it was on like Donkey Kong and there was no stopping me and I was a crazy destructive awful bloody nightmare for anyone who loved me it was it was shocking so what happened is during one of these blackouts um I I fell down a flight of stairs um and I woke up in emergency and um oh yeah it was shocking I woke up and came to in an emergency room and um that was basically my rock bottom was my husband <clears throat> looking at me and I could just see such profound, profound despair in this beautiful man. And 
anyone who knows anything or follows my sober in the country, you know, website or socials knows mm. that Tim Tim is just a well look, he he drives me crazy at times like all husbands do. <laughs> <laughs> but but he's also the complete foundation of everything that I do. And he saved my life by putting up with me and hanging in there when he should never have done so. Mm. And honestly, when I saw how much he was broken, I don't know, I guess the veil lifted and I thought, wow, if I'm not going to succeed in killing myself, I'm going to kill this good man. Like he is at his own rock bottom. And I just, seeing his despair to find me and hear him recount the story of coming home and finding me in a pool of blood, thinking I was dead, thinking my neck was broken, you know, and he said to me that day, um, we had this Oh, man, it's such an emotional, emotional memory. Um, He sat there next to me and said, you know, Shan, I used to to be so frightened of getting a call from the police or the ambulance or someone to say we have found Shan crashed her car dead or we found her, you know, she's succeeded in taking her own life. He said, I've lived in fear of that phone call for so long. And he said, you know what? I'm beginning to wonder, is that the only thing left? Is that the only way out for you? He said, I've lost hope. And I just, oh, Adrian, I just mm. honestly, I, I, and because historically up until that point, Tim would do what all people who don't understand this horrific disease mm. do. And he would say, why are you doing this? Mm. Don't you love me enough to stop? Why, why, why? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I would say, of course I love you enough. Oh, my God, of course I will stop. And then, of course, I would continue the cycle. Yeah. And that rock bottom um, saved my life because out of sheer desperation, you know, I, I went from denying I had a problem, from fighting. Can you believe it? Like, I still was in denial that I was a raging alcoholic. I just, I still couldn't get my head around it, Adrian. I was like, mm. no, get stuffed. I work every day. I run. I eat kale. I do all these amazing things. How- <laughs> but again, it's not that image. Exactly. It's, you're not that lady walking down the street chatting to you're herself, right. you know, that all, all the movies and all the advertising and all that's exactly. made us think that that's what an alcoholic exactly. woman looks like. Yep. And do you know high what? functioning, right? <clears throat> and that's it, right? And I lived this double life. And as a friend of my a friend of mine said it best, I was an extraordinary person by day. And I was, I was a public speaker. I mean, I am a public mm. speaker now, but I was doing it then. I was photographing, I was like a hugely successful photographer, freelancer, speaker, like I mean, super talented. Mm. I had this amazing front. But by night and in the privacy of my own home and when things were going sideways, which included a long and horrible battle with infertility, right? Um, which, by the way, was the tipping point, I, I suppose I should mention, that's really what tipped me into that catastrophic alcoholic drinking was the discovery that I wasn't going to be able to be a mum. Rock bottom was the best thing because it finally... It finally made me realise, you know what, you are going to get your wish here, you're going to die and you're going to take this good man down with you. And I just, I don't know, I call that an absolute godsend. I was able to get out of my own selfish, self-destructive head, which the truth is, you know, in alcoholism you do become a very self-centred, destructive person. Right. I'm not saying we're not sick and we're not miserable and we're not in need of urgent help, but we're bloody mm. awful people mm. in the end as mm. well. But I was able to step outside of that bubble for a moment and go, shit, you got to do something here. And um, that led me to actually ring um, an AA helpline, okay. would you believe? And it was the one thing I had never done because mm. I just, the whole concept of that just freaked me out because that was for homeless people in my head. Well, it's almost like you've just not admitted defeat, but you're like, mm. You know, yeah. I can't, I, I'm waving the white flag basically. Yeah. Like, And I think, oh. I feel like it's, um, you know, how do you then come back from that once you've made that yeah. call? It's like, okay, well, this is, this is this a is serious commitment. Yeah. And honestly, 
make sure we don't forget, scribble it down to come back to the concept of surrender and the white flag. That's such an important part of this chat. Mm. But it, that's exactly what I did. I threw the white flag up and I rang this helpline. And um, the very long story short is after being assured there would be help close by, and I was chatting to a fellow in Sydney, um, their national helpline number. And he goes, oh, yeah, hang on a minute. I'll just do a meeting search. What we do is we recommend you go and visit a, a local recovery support meeting. And he was like tappity tap tap on his keyboard. And mm. I was like, oh, where do you live again? And I was like, Narrabri, New South Wales. And he goes, where is that? And I was like, oh, just out in the sticks, man. Mm. <laughs> anyway, blah, blah. Oh, okay. I think it's showing that your nearest meeting is 300 kilometres away. What? And I was like, of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. So anyway, again, we'll come back to that and why mm. Sober in the Country was created because mm. there is remote people do not get access to what city and large regional people, you know, just presume and take, you know, for granted, oh, which yeah. anyway. So I said, really? And he goes, oh, that's awkward. Here, let me give you the number of this lady. Um the following day, I rang a lady and I started a dialogue with this extraordinary woman who I met later on down the track and she was pivotal in my in turning my life around. This girl mm-hmm. called Ali, who's now a dear, dear friend of mine, picked up the phone that day when I rang in a state of utter despair and desperation. Mm-hmm. And that, that led to me driving um, 300 k's with my husband to visit her to meet with her and her husband. And she was a volunteer um, coordinator of a recovery group meeting. Right. But she sat with me and spent some time and she just, do you know what, Adrian? It was, uh, I was expecting a crusty something or the other, I don't know, a homeless mm. looking dude with holes in their coat. You know, again, mm. I'm going back to all these bullshit stereotypes and stigmas totally. that we hang on to, right? And instead, out of the building walked this gorgeous, blonde, fit girl and this handsome guy. And I'm like, what? Well, that's obviously not Ali. And it was. She goes, Shanna, is that you? And I was like, no. (laughs) Get out of town. And I just looked at her and I said, what? what?" And she goes, oh, my goodness. She's like, come on, let's go have a coffee. And you know what? The second I laid eyes on that girl, all these stupid things I had in my head were blown apart. And that just continued to happen. Anyway, a conversation with a successfully, fully recovered alcoholic changed my life because no one had ever said to me, this is what it can look like. This is what it can be like. This is a way you can get out of this. And I went, well, holy moly, how has it come to this point that I've, (laughs) it felt like I'd been thrown a lifeline, you know? No one had ever shown me this. No one had ever told me this. Right. And so began a period of my life where I worked remotely over the phone with this gorgeous girl because obviously nothing was available locally. Mm, mm. And she did more for me than anybody, any psychologists, doctors, health retreats, didn't matter what I had done. Nothing was as powerful as working with someone who had been through that hell and come out on the other side. And did that, um, looking at her out that other side, give you almost like, you know, when we're starting to get fit, we kind of have like a picture in our minds, like, well, you know, that's the woman I kind of want to look like, or that's the oh. guy I kind of want to look like. Did she provide that kind of like benchmark or that goalpost for you to be like, okay, that's where I'm I'm aiming to get? 100%. Yep. She just... She just showed me it's possible. And as mm. you know, she's a very humble girl and she would say there's nothing unusual about me. And I repeat that phrase today. I'm not unique. I'm not special. I just worked my guts out to get here and this is what I did, you know. And, yeah, I just I was so full of admiration for her honesty and her truth and her rawness. And I just my mind was just like, wow, this how have I never known this before? Yeah, mm. she was a benchmark for me, 100%. She saved my life, you know, a conversation. Oh, absolutely with that girl saved my life because she got down in the trenches and held my hand and said, come on, I'll give, I'll give you a way out of here. If you're willing to, you know, put your, put your boots on and do the work. And I was like, bloody oath I am. And that's, and do you know what? That's, that's an important disclaimer to make. Um, I was given a miracle um, and completely went on to become hundred percent recovered, but God, I was willing and I was ready and I mm. worked my butt out and, and my butt off. Um, 
yeah, you know, that's an important disclaimer to make. A lot of people want whatever this is, but they're not prepared to do what is required. So, and I just was very grateful that from the get-go, my mate Ali just said, as long as you are prepared and willing and honest, and if you put your sobriety and this recovery journey above everything else, it has to come first, second, third, fourth. Like it's got to come before your work, Mm. your your ego, your whatever. Mm. It's got to be first priority and you can make it if you do that. And I went, right, I'll do it. Do the damn and thing. That, yeah, and you know what? And she's, uh, I guess a bit of a segue here is that months down the track, um, she said to me, Shan, one of the best things you can do is to help other people. That is mm. one of the most powerful things you can do to get your life back on track. And I was like, you know what? That's a really good point because, as I mentioned earlier, we addicts can be selfish bastards and mm. we get so trapped in our own torture and agony and despair, we forget that there's a world around us, you know. Mm. And, again, I'm not saying that that makes you a bad person. It's just a symptom of how sick addiction makes us, you know. Yeah. And is that so, where Sober in the Country in terms of that online conversation was born? Well, no. See, there was an interim period where at about the six-month sobriety mark, I thought, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to start an AA meeting in my town Mm. because there's nothing and that way I can help people. Um, And the very long story short is that I basically baked scones and opened up a church hall (laughs) and sat there like a loser for nearly two years by myself because nobody came. Um, wow. A couple of pe- a couple of people here and there came along, and let me never ever discount the importance of my relationships and how they helped me. Mm. But I knew that there were dozens and dozens and dozens of people in my hometown exactly like me who needed help, but they wouldn't. So the the whole the premise of a recovery support meeting such as AA is based on anonymity, and it's based on people sort of walking in the door. Um, almost by accident and Mm. um, that doesn't work in a country town as I discovered after two years of diligently doing everything I could to try and support people and eventually I was so heartbroken by that so in the background my personal recovery journey is that once I had um, drawn a line in the sand and gotten to work the, the the miracle of my story is that I stopped thinking about alcohol the day I gave up even considering that I could ever be a drinker. Mm. It's an incredibly important clarification for me to make because I stopped struggling at that point, which is nearly five years ago now. Wow. Um, a lot of people, particularly fanatics in the recovery spectrum, will get psycho crazy if you dare say you are recovered past tense because you will hear a lot of discussion around once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, and, oh, wow, people get hysterical about this. Um, And I just want to make that disclaimer as well to say I've never, ever once claimed to be cured. So in other Mm. words, I I would never pick up a drink again and expect it not to end in death and disaster. Yes. But the clarification is I don't want to. I don't think about it. I don't care about it because I did so much hard work for so long that I walked myself through and became recovered. And that's just a little clarification that's a very important one. Mm. So here I am recovered in the background after a few years of working my butt off and changing my entire life from top to bottom. Mm. Um, And I was just, and to answer your question about how Sober in the Country was born, I, you know, I had to give up on the um, concept of a recovery support group here because, mm. like I said, no one was coming and it was just breaking my heart. Um, Do you think thought, that is because of the shame around it and, and, again, that raising of the white flag going, oh, yeah, I need help, and then, you know, running into that person at the pub and being like, oh, I thought you weren't going to drink anymore? <laughs> 100%, but but also, also, a recovery support meeting, right, that's supposedly anonymous in nature, mm. it doesn't, you can't do that in a small country town. Sure. We we are not anonymous. It's yeah. just that simple. And and I sort of thought about that for a while and I was like, this is, this is just really daft. In a small country town, 
we will sit here and 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 laugh at and slap our mates on the back when they get full down drunk at the pub in front of us for years and years and years on end. We think that's hilarious. We have no problem with it. And yet if somebody like me then realises they're going to die if they don't stop drinking or they're going to lose their family and everything that matters, so they've got to go and, you know, get into um, sobriety. And generally speaking, the next, you know, step that people say is, oh, well, you better go to AA. Mm. And I started thinking, what a crock. I'm not saying AA is a bad model, but it's a city-based model that the premise of it is anonymity. And I'm like, wait, we're not anonymous in the bush. Like, yeah, that, that model doesn't fit. <laughs> no, you know, we're, we're part of a tiny community here. And I just, I don't know, my brain just went down that path. And I was like, if somebody didn't want to be anonymous, what's available? And I was mm. like, there's, not, there's nothing. Like, you've either got to go and be like a, a strange kind of a isolated leper in this space within your own community that you've been part of and drinking with. I I was like, this is just nuts. I just think Mm. this is bloody crazy. So I just started ever so gently and ever so respectfully blogging about things just as Shanna won. I just thought, okay, if people aren't going to walk in the door, I'm just going to start sharing a bit of stuff online. Um, And I studied holistic health and all sorts of things and I was just sharing health info. And everybody in my teeny tiny town knew how sick I'd been. They knew um, you know, how much I'd fallen down the rabbit hole. They weren't sure of the details, but people were watching what I was doing and they're going, gosh, you look well. Gee, you look healthy. What have you been up to? And I'm like, oh, actually, um, I actually don't drink anymore. And they're like, really? Holy shit. That's, that's different for you. Mm. <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Very, 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 very long story short is that what went from blogging, the occasional tip about, you know, how not drinking had improved in my health became me going you know what this is getting so much discussion people are so genuinely interested in what the hell happened to Shanna because she no longer looks like a bag of crap <laughs> what, what's she doing <laughs> so I just yeah I I was um I just started sharing very candidly very openly and I just got bigger and bolder and more honest and more raw and it just organically grew into such a big discussion that I thought, gee whiz, I better, I better stick a label on this thing and call it something and create a page because people are coming to me and saying, wow, geez, you talk some common sense. Gosh, I've never heard it, you know, phrased like this or said like that. So um, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm just a regular garden variety country girl who thought I'm just going to talk about this stuff in a fair income and way. Um, and there is just an insane response to it so I just yeah I just keep going and sober in the country is how I funnel whatever's in my head out to people because they seem to resonate with it oh absolutely (laughs) and so at the moment it um takes form in an online community through a website and through your social media Mm. platforms does that then translate to offline interactions with um you know your followers or people that come to you or events how does that is there an offline part in terms of you know almost coming full circle back to how it started with that um the the meetings in town so great question you're a good question asker oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so basically um you know the most beautiful thing of it is I thought so once so sober in the country was just a Facebook page from which I shared random info or blogs or you know sobriety um articles whatever you know I was just I was just a resource point for people never ever 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 claiming to be an answer to everything just claiming to be a speaker of the truth you know and whatever that may lead to basically not a service Mm. point Mm. you know some people say I am a four-week miracle solution to everything in the planet come to me and give me your money and I'll fix you I'm like I don't I'm just a, a talker of the truth is what I am but interestingly enough um because so many people um, were inboxing me privately because they were nervous about interacting on the page. And I was like, oh, Shanna, you dopey Sheila. Like, of course, people are still scared to talk. So I created Mm. a private support page, Mm -hmm. which, you know, how you can create private closed groups. Groups on Facebook, yeah. Yep. So I created a private group 
And within less than six months, we had 250 people on there. Can you even believe it? I went from being lucky to get six people in six months at a meeting in real time to having nearly 250 in this private Mm. group. And these people have become my family. It is the most beautiful thing I have ever been a part of. I feel like crying when I talk about it. Um, I very specifically, and this is important, I guess, to say, is that the gap that I've identified in the country, right, is peers and professionals and high-functioning people. Um, And this, I guess, this is a whole side topic that we can come back to if you like, but Mm. I'm speaking on behalf of, I guess, what you would, I I kind of refer to them as invisible Australians who, who get up and show up and do the thing and do the work, but they're struggling in the background while they maintain a perfect life. Um, they yes. haven't fallen. They haven't fallen apart. But the key word is yet. Mm. Um, and what what tends to happen, Adrian, in um, terms of of addictions, support and recovery and discussions across Australia is that a huge amount of funding and attention and dialogue is projected to the bottom end of the barrel where we're in full on crisis emergency, rehabilitation, et cetera. Life or death. Yeah. Life or death, right? And and through Sober in the Country, what I'm advocating and saying is, guys, and I'm going to use my favourite quote of all time here by Desmond Tutu, mm. which is, we have got to stop pulling people out of the river once they've drowned and we've got to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. So... Mm. So much of our work is done when people have already drowned and I'm saying what are, what about these people all across rural and remote Australia who do not have access to anonymity or meetings or amazing psychs or amazing doctors? They're just, they're just scrambling to do what they can with what they've got, which is very rarely enough. Mm. They're too frightened to go and see a doctor in their tiny town. They're too frightened to go and see a psychologist. <laughs> in their outback community because it's probably bloody related to them and they don't want people to know, <laughs> you know, how badly things are going. So they mm. they stay stuck in a cycle and here are these people treading water upstream not knowing where the hell to go and nobody speaks to them or for them. And so it's kind of weird really, sober in the country. It began as Shanna Banana bloody blogging over here five years ago <laughs> <laughs> and now I've kind of become this little champion and spokesperson and advocate for the invisible rural and remote people out there, you know, and I just, I don't know, the more I see it, the more it's just a massive, massive gap mm. that I, I honestly just think is completely unacceptable. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, for example, um, I mean, you've only got to look at the explosion of our online support group and every single person in that page has said to me, bloody hell, Shan, you know, no one no one talks about this. Mm. Why? And I go, good question. And so another chapter of the story is that um, um, early last year I was a finalist in um, the Rural Woman of the Year Award. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> and off the back of that I thought, oh, this is great. If I'm being recognised for this work, it's obviously important and valued and I had a lot of important people standing next to me for media opportunities and I thought oh this is fabulous maybe we can do something here to get um some funding and to I don't know do something here to help these guys you know like me maybe we can just rethink the wheel and as I always say this is another one of my favorite lines I'm not I'm not reinventing the addictions or sobriety or recovery wheel that's bloody stupid everyone's done an amazing job with that I'm just recalibrating it for bush conditions got you got me you know and I was like no one's doing that so that's what I'll do and I appealed and pitched and lobbied and asked for support from government and kind of laid out what I was doing and how many people and lives are being impacted just by one raw and honest girl volunteering and I was like this is actually really really doing a lot of stuff out there guys can you help me you know I'm not sure Mm -hmm. how I even take this to a sustainable point but I suspect it will be using technology and um, all sorts of amazing things because people are responding because we're getting this conversation into their tractors and into yeah. their homes and it's working and we're, we're impact. Well, we, I keep saying we, it's just bloody me, but <laughs> uh, you know, we've built, I've built a community. So I always say we, um, 
but anyway, sadly, nothing has been forthcoming. Um, and that's kind of then, and I'm just, I guess I'm sort of just walking you through the um, the stages of the organic growth of Sober in the Country slash me mm. from being a blogger to an advocate to being now probably a little bit outright disruptive because the longer I spend in the political space and the advocacy and lobbyist space and Shanna won today is I'm, I'm actually, and this is the culmination of five years of working my guts out behind the scenes. People don't actually understand what's been involved, but because of that today I'm now the official um, rural ambassador for a leading alcohol awareness charity called Hello Sunday Morning. So wow. I'm allied with, yeah, it's amazing. And they've got proper celebrities as their ambassadors. So it's pretty funny. There's all these <laughs> celebrities and then there's little old me and my flanny out in the bush. Um, <laughs> Love that. I know. And um, I'm allied with an amazing, amazing organisation called FAR, which stands for the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education. Um, I've, oh, yeah, I've got all these... I'm now this. I'm I'm the most well connected poor person you've ever met. Basically, <laughs> got all your hats on. Yeah, I've got all my hats on. I've got all the allies in place, and and it's it's kind of like I'm a loaded cannon now. Um, and it's just it is purely because I I never came into this from a money making self interest point of view. I came in it thinking this is crazy. We have got to do something for men and women in the country who are mm. not being looked at. And mm. and another segue to that is the drought that's happening in the bush. So anyway, I've gone off on my bloody tangent here. Sorry, no, honey, this, but- no it's absolutely <laughs> great because it's all part, you know, as we said before we started recording, you know, there's no set questions, there's no time frame <laughs> because it's your story and every <laughs> every guest story is totally different and how they got <laughs> to where they are yeah. right now for this episode is all totally different one thing I wanted to ask you with all the work that you're doing and and um I guess my question is what what is the goal for you or what does success for sober in the country look like is there a point where you'll get to and you'll be like you know I've done it or you know my work here is um, done if nothing else happens from here you know I'm a happy yeah. lady like is there a, a certain like yep. milestone you're uh you know rampaging toward yes there is and it is very very simple and it's a mission statement on my website which says that my vision is an Australia in which it's okay for someone to say no to a drink Got simple, you. simple as that that's all I want to do it's you know quite often and and honestly that's that's something that's happening globally, but in the bush, geez, we're dragging our knuckles and fighting it because <laughs> mm. we really love our grog in the country. And there's, I probably need to just qualify here that I don't demonize drinking and I don't demonize people who drink. It's not a we are against grog thing, it's a we are for people who need to say no. That's all yeah. it is. And to feel so, like they have a choice, right? Yeah, just, just to feel like. Uh, and if I may, I'll draw a parallel to let's say the conversation around um, being gay. Like mm-hmm. 20 years ago, people were really frightened. 20 or 30 years ago, people were terrified to come out, so to speak, mm. because of the stigmas and the judgment. That's mm-hmm. exactly what happens today with booze in the bush. Right. If somebody says they don't drink, people are like, what? What is wrong with you? Um, and that's how the conversation at the pub plays out. It is, you know, um, and and it's. I've worked with some people in alcohol. It's funny. I've got a bloke nearby who's a family friend who I worked with, and he would tell you that I saved his life, you know. And I just struggle with that because I think he saved his own life. But whatever. Mm. The fact is, he came to me because he was about to lose everything, and together we got him back on track, and he's sober. Mm. And it's, mm, wow. I just want to cry when I think about my mate. He's just, I just, I'm so inspired by him because what happens is he goes out into the community now as a non-drinker and he was a massive, massive, as we say, piss head. Mm. And do you know that still, oh, he still cops a hard time from people who knew that he nearly lost it all, right? And so. Really? Oh, yep, yep, yep. And, and there's this mentality in Australia 
I'm not even joking. It is a common thing for a guy to go to the pub and other blokes to say, oh, yeah, I can't trust a bloke who says no to a drink. Like that's actually a thing out here. Wow. And I guess what I'm doing, I sometimes have a visual image of me as Joan of Arc on a dirty big white horse going, oi, and whopping them, across the, <laughs> whopping them across the side of the blooming head and saying, can you not be such a dick? Uh, this guy nearly lost his life. You don't have to make fun of him. You can just say, oh, no problem, can't get your soda water, you know? And yeah. that, so that's what I'm kind of coming up against is, is, there's still a huge amount of kickback in the bush. And the reason for this, the reason for this is that, you know, the alcohol culture is such a part of the Australian bush life because, and I want to give city people a visual, right? In the country, we might be working for a week on end without seeing anybody. And at the end of the day, on a Friday, guess where we all go to hang out and get our badly overdue social fix? Yeah. We go to the pub. Where else, do you, where else is there to go? There is nowhere else. Right. There is nowhere else. And so or, or we go to a barbecue at a mate's house and there's eskies of beer involved or, or whatever. Like alcohol yeah. is the central force and, and, and central thing around all bush social interaction. And, again, again, I need to be so crystal clear that we don't demonise that. It's not about demonising it. Mm. But it's about saying that because this culture, prevalent for some people right who are whether they're predisposed to addiction yes. or yeah. whatever they're like they're like a shanna banana who had some shit happen in her life and used alcohol to hide behind whatever some of us fall through the cracks mm. and if we can't I guess there's a huge tendency towards excessive drinking and that inevitably leads to alcoholism for some people mm. and so what then happens to those people who can't drink is that they, and this is the whole cruel paradox, right, about people who have to give up grog in the country, is where do they go when they can't drink? Well, then they're just ostracised and you they are, end up yep. with lonely yep. people that yep. don't want to go and hang out with everyone, I guess. Exactly. So all of a sudden people we have stood side by side at the pub with for decades in some cases we're now sending them off to be isolated. And to me, that is the most tragic, awful, awful thing a community could ever do. And I am trying to say to people, guys, if somebody we love in a country town gets cancer, what do we do? Mm. We rally around them. We feed the chooks. We harvest the crops. We take the kids to school. Mm. We do we do what a community does best. Now, what do we do if someone rally, gets alcoholism? Yeah. What do we do when someone gets alcoholism? Mm. We tell them to bugger off and go be anonymous. And it is sorry, you go. Oh no, I was just gonna say it is it is proven scientifically that we beat addiction through connection. So can you even imagine how cruel it is to isolate people who can't drink? And if I can encourage listeners to go and download a TED talk. Mm. Called the opposite of addiction is connection, and have a look, have a listen to that. It explains all of this in a very powerful TED talk. Okay, um, I'll pop that in the show notes yeah, for people. Please do. It's a brilliant TED talk, and it's uh, anyway. Sorry, my lovely. What were you going to ask? I was just going to say to you when when you have that situation. So we're in the pub. You know, old mate comes in and and someone offers him a beer, and he says, "Oh no, thanks, I'm drinking." And then that you know that potential ridicule or making mm. fun and, and that yep. starts. Do you wonder if we do that? And I'm doing I'm saying we because I know I've done it before. That making fun of is actually because it's making us feel uncomfortable about our own drinking habit. Thank you for saying it for me. Always. It is right. always the case. Yep. So uh, this is not just from me. This is from the 250 people I work with and, and, and interact with and, and this is on every blog you'd ever, ever look at about this combo. Yes, the people most likely to react in a really negative manner are the people most likely to be struggling themselves because they are profoundly uncomfortable with the mirror that has been held up to them. Mm. And the truth is if we, if Shanna Banana says, I've got a problem, then the reality is they might too and they do not like it. 
Um, So, yeah, it's very discomforting. Mm. As well as a female, you then, especially a female in a relationship of a certain age, you get the um, assumption that you are pregnant, you're trying to have a baby or something like that. So that must have been a fun time for you given what what you previously mentioned about oh. your your struggles in that area. And that is so common, isn't it? I've done oh, that to people and it's been yeah. done to me. I'm yeah. sure so many people, yeah. females yeah. listening, will be like, yeah, it happened yeah. last Saturday night at my yeah. mate's barbecue or watching the footy or, you know, yeah. Sydney country, wherever. That, mm. that I think that definitely happens. Oh, it's know, about that mirror. Yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, the whole alcohol conversation is global and national. It's not restricted to the bush. Mm. Um, I, I just, I just narrow my focus down to the country because there's such a bizarre set of parameters here that don't happen in cities, yes. but yeah, it's a, it's a universal response, right? Which is what's wrong with you? Are you knocked up? Mm. Um, what sort of a bloke are you? Like that's mm. a universal response, mm. but I'm pleased to say that it is changing and there's a big sobriety shift happening. Um, If you do a bit of Googling, you'll see that it's actually trending globally. There are all sorts of extraordinary things happening Um, and it's awesome. And there's this whole new weird hashtag, which I don't know, freaks me out a bit called sober curious. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I just kind of. Only in 2019. I know, I know. I knew I was about to drop the F bomb there. Um, I okay. do not. I do not love um, a lot of these hashtags that get around because they're sort of a bit flippant for me. But anyway, um, yeah. But look, you know what? At the end of the day, if people's curiosity is peaked, peaked. Do you say peaked? Yeah. Yeah. Peak. Whatever. Yeah. Um, good. That's awesome. But it's interesting. Not long ago, I was invited to be part of. Um, Oh, I'm about to segue into a whole other planet here. I've been doing a lot of media in the last six months. Like I'm hitting the national media, which is pretty funny. I wish I was 20 years younger and hotter, but anywho. Um, I said no to a um, primetime TV thing the other day um, because I was invited to take part in a um, segment talking about um, sobriety trending. And I was like, oh, I'm sort of not comfortable with that because it's not really necessarily trendy as much Mm. as it is life and death for some people. And I sort of steered clear of that one a bit because I just, the focus was awesome, but it was a little bit light on for what I guess I have seen. And um, And the message that you're standing by, I guess. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's really funny. You know, I say to people, as I hit the national media and do more and more and more, and, and I'm going to be featuring on Australian Story later this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is really exciting. And, yeah. and I've said to these, the poor producer, I swear to God, he must think I'm the biggest diva. But I keep saying to him, mate, the integrity around this is so unbelievably important to me. Mm. We have to get the balance right here. We have to, We have to make it really clear that whilst I don't, there's no part of me that demonizes drinkers. But there's a, you know, there is a life and death scenario playing out here for people. And it's really important that the wider community understands this. And, you know, I'd love to see some really good, you know, how you asked me before, what would the ultimate be? And the mm. ultimate would be an Australia in which drinking is not celebrated and worshipped. It's an individual choice, yes. you know? If someone says no, we go big fat hairy deal past the peanuts. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, I'd love to see some authentic education driven from people like me who speak real speak mm. so that our family and friends get it. And I've already been doing that for years. And I guess that's why sober in the country has gone as far as it has, is because yeah. people go, bloody hell, you're talking some common sense. Thank you for that. Mm. But I, I I would have loved in an ideal perfect dream world for the government to have said, you know what, go forth and be funded and do this because you're obviously doing a bloody good job of it. So uh, maybe, you know, down the track, I'd love to maybe put a, uh, an authentic take on all of this stuff. You know, I'm, I'm working on a book. Mm. <clears throat> Because I just want people to be able to access info, you know, whether they're a family friend or the person struggling. I want them to know what it looks like and sounds like. And I want them to know, (coughs) excuse me, there is a way out of this. 
But unfortunately, the language that we're currently speaking is being driven from policy mm. and and health, primary healthcare networks, which, you know, as great as that is, a lot of these poor buggers are very heavily muzzled by, oh, you can't say this and you can't say this and you can't do that and you can't do that. So it comes out as this dry package which doesn't resonate with people at all. Yeah, it doesn't translate. Yeah, yeah, we've lost the common language here. Yeah. um, In this stupid politically correct society society that we live in and I don't know where my brain's just gone, but does that make sense? Yeah, no, it it makes complete sense. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, obviously running the Facebook group with over 250 people plus other people that Mm. may be outside of that group that just contact you through your social media Mm. platforms about their own story. Um, And this is something that I, I like to chat with most of the guests about is how do you take care of yourself so that you can then Uh, take on all of those other stories because I'm sure you're not alone unfortunately in that your drinking habits came as a way of masking a traumatic experience people are sharing that with you what do you do you know on a daily basis an hourly basis a weekly a monthly basis or an ad hoc basis to make sure that you're good so that you can continue to do this great work. Yeah, Yeah, it's such an important question. Um, And if anybody visits my website or texts me via the page or whatever, you'll see big fat disclaimers everywhere that say, Sober in the Country is a discussion driven by a volunteer advocate. I am not a service point and I cannot offer individual advice. Yes. Um, I am so, so clear on that because I simply can't, be and and this is the other thing I'm I don't say to people I've got the answer to everything I just say here are the facts here's Mm. what's going on we've got to fix it you know so I present Mm. I present the problem in its raw truth Mm. and I share as much info as I can through Mm. the page as a free resource your personal lived experience yeah yeah Yeah. so I just drive a conversation with a very authentic voice Mm. but I never ever ever sit there and say come to me I will fix it because Mm. that's nobody can fix it if anyone could fix it they'd be a multi-friggin billionaire and if anyone Um, is in a position to fix it as in terms of their own habits it's them like as you mentioned at the very top of the episode exactly doing the hard work yourself and that's and that's a huge disclaimer right we as a community and as a family, and that's a whole bloody three-hour podcast in itself, mm. we can't do anything for someone who can't be prepared or ready to do it for themselves first. And so my prayer and hope and, and passion is to just inform people mm. in a real way that makes sense so that they can go, gee whiz, that sounds like me or that sounds like my friend. What now? Mm. But, um, yeah, so basically I protect myself. I have really, really big boundaries in place like while I do interact with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people all over country Australia now if somebody rings me which happens often and it breaks my heart and they share their story I I try to I try to listen but I then try to be really clear that listen I can't walk you through this Mm. here please head to the website here are some suggested reasons here are the numbers yeah here are the numbers um you know, it's funny, once upon a time I graduated as a health coach um, a couple of years into my sobriety because I thought my purpose was to work one-on-one with people and I mm. very quickly, very quickly realised that would destroy me because I'm so much of an empath and I feel so bloody much, mm. uh, I, it just wrecked me. Yeah. Whereas what I quickly realised is that my superpower, if you want to call it that, yeah is to speak across big platforms and this is why now I'm traveling and speaking to large groups to to like I'm perfect as a public speaker because I can give everything to a huge audience and I just I don't know I just come alive it's like I'm a different human I don't even prepare for talks Mm. I just go in and just go bam and then I'm like sleepy for two days but um (laughs) yeah but it's just really weird that's that's how I give out whereas one-on-one is not it's not manageable for me so um that's why you know I'm very 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 specific about things on my website um I I just want to encourage people to know they're not alone there are options available you've just got to get your butt out and go hard and find 
you know, what that is. And unfortunately, um, whether we're talking about health or sobriety, there's very rarely a one-size-fits-all. So I'm, I'm trying to get people to have a look at the truth in their own life, mm. take responsibility and then do whatever the hell it takes to be relentless in the pursuit of getting their life back on track to know it's possible, you know. Um, and and one day in a perfect world, um, you know, I'm looking at working with some philanthropists and um some big projects in the pipeline for 2020. I want to take this conversation so much further. How exciting. Um, yeah, so that we can just get a really good message out there and 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 get some platforms into place, you know, when people beyond the reaches of what's available in terms of city services, et cetera, can just get get some freedom in their lives, you know, because um, yeah. it's possible. And I think I just feel, honestly, Adrian, like every single person in rural, remote Australia deserves full access to this conversation. It is a, it is a crime to me that people do not know they're not alone. Um, I just want people to feel hope, you know, and yeah. so many don't. And this this drought, you know, for people sitting in the city listening to this, we're in the middle of the worst drought of the past 120 years. Wow. Um we and this is something I I got a bit disruptive and wrote an opinion piece in the Sydney Morning Herald recently. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> might, might have might have had a little tantrum, but you know what? I'm I'm sick to death of of, of our leaders not recognizing the link and the connection between alcohol abuse, drought, and mental health, and that's. Right now, what's happening in the bush is we have got men and women falling to their knees. And mm. honest to God, Adrian, it is such a scary time. And <clears throat> when you're as active on social media as I have to be, because that's the only way I've been able to grow this conversation, I don't yeah. have funding, I don't have support, it's just bloody me and the internet. Mm. When you see, When you see what's happening... There's such a big divide right now between the city and the bush. There, whether it's activism, whether it's people losing their minds and, and accusing other people of stealing water. Oh God, honestly, there's so much hateful, hurtful stuff being thrown around on social media platforms. Mm. And all of that is compounding on very good people who are already on their knees. Um, in fact, I wrote a massive blog on this if anyone's interested. Um um, it's on my blog uh, page under the website. It says a call to arms because I was just in despair watching the flow-on effect of the hate and the misinformation and the lack of education. And and so now you come back and you've got Joe Blow sitting out there in the paddock feeding livestock 18 hours a day um, on the edge of suicide and then copying it online saying, well, sucked in, you deserve it all, you're a murderer anyway. You know, like that stuff's oh, happening. God. It's yeah, I can't even tell you. So um yeah, the drought is linking in with with alcohol abuse for a lot of people because they're just beside themselves and they're drinking themselves into a stupor because they just they just need to turn off, you know? So yeah, there's a whole different conversation under that banner too. Yeah. Um absolutely. You know, what oh can... god, anyway, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. What can um as listeners of your story, what can we do to support you and to help you continue to do this work? Whether we need the support or we mm, just feel strongly yeah. about your story, what can we do to support you? What actions can people take right now as they're listening to help you? Yep. Yep. Oh, look, if somebody is listening and they think they're in trouble. If you think you are, you most likely are. So don't muck about. Get on your internet, do some Googling, go and visit AA website, for example. You know, they've got a checklist. How do I know if I'm in trouble? Just just don't muck about. Just get started, you know. Just have a look at it and stop lying to yourself because addiction will kill ultimately, you know. And alcoholism is a progressive and fatal disease. It begins as a pretty country girl with a blonde pigtail drinking to fit in and ends in death, you know, and I just can't ever underestimate that the sooner you look at the truth of where you are in your own life with alcohol, the better. Um, don't be scared. Don't think you're alone. You're not. Yes. 
Yes. Secondly, if if people like I said, I'm not I'm not ever going to pretend I'm the answer to everything. But if people want to uh, get behind sober in the country, and I've actually got a um a, a tab on the website now that says collaborate. Come and have a look. Come and have a visit of the website. Um, I basically. I am now looking to start working with some serious people because there's obviously such a clear need, but I'm just a person with limited time and skills, mm. um, you know, doing what I believe, quite frankly, the government should be doing. So if they won't, I'll do it with philanthropists and that's the next step for me. But if people want to support me and they don't have money, the most extraordinary thing that they can do is share the conversations happening online. You know, one yeah. share one share reaches a thousand people wow. and it's like a, it's like a ripple effect. It's extraordinary. I've got people messaging me every day saying, God, Shanna, someone shared this thing and I just, I'm following your page and it's like a bloody, it's like a whole world. I didn't even thank you. Well, you know, they're overwhelmed. So I just say to people, please just share the info, share the website. Costs nothing. Just bloody get it out there. You never know who might need access to that. Well, that's it. And if there's people, you know, if I'm sharing your stuff and there's people that I'm connected with, whether yep. it's family yep. or friends or if I'm sharing Absolutely. it through the bold platforms, any Absolutely. of the listeners that have yep. something that they need yeah. help with and haven't ever wanted to be like, hey, has anyone got recommendations of where I can share <laughs> some more? You know, it's not exactly. like trying to find a plumber that might just be the post that they need to see on the right day at that right time when this is a sign shit I'm going to do something about (laughs) exactly hun and um and look by all means if there's some philanthropist sitting around twiddling their thumbs thinking they'd love to support someone hey hey I'm sitting here (laughs) (laughs) um my my I'm here for the taking and look I think I think that that'll happen actually I know it will I've already got a few people saying wow you know this this girl needs a bit of a hand mm. but that's my heart and soul isn't in it for that it's in it to help people and so I think that's you why this works that. yeah yeah I don't that. I'm not a ruthless business person I'm a as I say to people you know I was on the receiving end of a miracle mm. and this is going to sound cheesy but it's probably a fabulous note to wrap it up on is that mm. you know I now view nearly losing my life to alcoholism as the greatest thing that ever happened to me because out of that out of that horrific thing came my life's purpose and my life's work and it's yeah it's funny I remember when I first embarked on sobriety and I was accepting by the by that stage that I was never going to be a mum um and I was sitting around one day going well shit what am I going to do with my life <coughs> excuse me sorry and I was like I can talk I'm a public speaker I can write I'm a covered alcoholic from a small country town. And I was just writing words on paper and I was like, well, doofus, you should probably do all of these things and use them. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, who in, the, who, in, who in a pink fit would have thought that um, <laughs> all of those things would end up being my purpose? But there they are. And well, I'm, I'm really I'm glad so- that they, <laughs> they are your purpose. Obviously, I'm not... Glad that things have happened to you throughout your life that has led you to um, needing to mask those situations with alcohol. But as you said, something truly extraordinary has come from um, that situation and that and that situation five years ago and, and back when you were 18. Um, so I guess um, looking at it in that way of, you know, that that's what's come from those situations. Um yeah, there's a part of me that's super glad that they did because now you've started this amazing conversation and, and really starting to make some, well, not ripples, some some big waves in this space. And, yeah, it's been yeah. absolutely amazing to learn more about you. Obviously, as I mentioned, when I contacted you, I've been following your story for a while now. Um, you were one of the first people that I had when I first started the podcast. I was just, when I would see things, I'd quickly pop them in a note in my phone and be like, I'm going to ask that person one day. So when you said yes, I was just like, thank you so much. It's, um, yeah, it's absolutely amazing to hear your story. No, thank you, honestly, hon, because this is your time and your energy and, and, and like, I truly believe that this is a we thing, not a me thing. And And this is the beauty of it. You know, we, I don't know, we're getting back to just helping each other and it's lovely. And just the Um, conversation, like human interaction, you know. Absolutely. If people want to find out more about um, the work that you're doing, where's the best place for them to to find you? 
just just come visit the website soberinthecountry.com.au and um, mm-hmm. people will see there's all the socials are linked perfect um and and once again you know as they navigate the website which by the way is just constantly evolving mm. <laughs> um you know basically i will always be very clear about where i'm at and what the purpose is um it's a story that continues to unfold um come and join the conversation follow the page um yeah, just come and have a yarn, and um, yeah, just remember, I'm I'm not the I'm not a service point. I'm just the I'm just leading, leading a charge in the bush, really, that I felt need to be led, and I'd love it if people came along and 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 joined me in that. That would be bloody awesome, whether they're from the city or the bush, mind you, because I believe this needs to be understood nationally. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being so generous with your story and for all the amazing work that um, you are doing. As Shanna mentioned, sobeinthecountry.com.au is where you will find all of her information, including links to her, all of her social media, including Facebook and Instagram. So please go and check this out. If this episode is something that you think might hit a, a hit a chord with people in your world, please feel free to share it um, so that we can really help other people hear about Sober in the Country and get this movement um, out further and further. Thank you all for listening to another episode of The Bold Platform. You can find us at theboldplatform.com.au or at The Bold Platform on Facebook and Instagram. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, please um, enjoy your week and thank you so much, Shanna, for coming on and sharing your story. I'm really, really grateful. Thank you to you, beautiful girl. Have an awesome day. Mm-hmm.